by Just As I Am Ministries, a nonprofit that gives hope to people that were caught in the devastation of addiction or overrun by emotions in this series. Learn how to identify feelings, what motivates actions, and find biblically-based solutions to manage emotions. Rich and Susan Collenberg are a husband and wife team who found freedom 15 years ago from their out-of-control lives of drug addiction and alcoholism. Now, here's Rich and Susan with Solutions for Freedom. For those you love. Hello, everyone. Welcome to the program. My name is Rich Collenberg. And my name is Susan Collenberg. Susan, what's up for today? Today, we're going to be talking about jealousy. Jealousy. That is a difficult topic, isn't it? It is. Um, I think we better pray about it. Okay. Uh, would you pray, please? Yes. Our loving Father in heaven, we thank you for this day. We thank you that um, we do experience emotions and um, that we know that they're God-given. And we just pray that you will help us to seek ways to to find um, a better solution than to um, go off the deep end with, with some of those things. And we just thank you and uh, we're grateful that you love us. In Christ's name we pray. Amen. Amen. An experienced urban evangelist used to organize stress management seminars as an introduction to evangelistic meetings in cities. He had devised a simple survey in which he asked the audience to list four or five things that caused them the most stress. Workers grouped the answers in general categories, health, money, work, relationships, etc., before the count was completed, one worker saw that the speaker already had prepared a set of transparencies to discuss relationships as the number one source before they had even made the count. When questioned, the pastor explained the results has always been the same. Bad relationships always came up as the primary cause of stress. Whether problems with spouse, children, boss, work associate, neighbor, friend, enemy, people tend to be the principal stressor. In contrast, when relationships are positive, they're a powerful source of satisfaction. This seems consistent across geography and culture. People make us happy or people make us miserable. One of the emotions that is the biggest strain on relationships is jealousy. Proverbs 27.4 says, Anger is cruel and destructive, but it is nothing compared to jealousy. That is quite a statement. Anger is cruel and destructive, but it is nothing compared to jealousy. What is it? Jealousy is the green-eyed monster? <laughs> you heard yeah. that before? The, the green-eyed monster? Uh-huh. I never heard that yes. one. Yes. There's four basic different forms of jealousy. Uh, what's number one? A sibling rivalry. S sibling rivalry, rivalry is a common form of family jealousy. Family jealousy can affect all ages and different members of any family. This jealousy can arise from lack of attention from a specific member in the family. Are you familiar with sibling rivalry? I am familiar. I have um, two brothers and a sister, so... And you were the young one, right? I was the baby of the family. You told me you could do nothing wrong. That's what my mom and dad. <laughs> That's what your mom and dad said. Thought. I think they were. I don't think it, that I, 
that I couldn't do anything wrong. I think they were just tired by the fourth. By the time they had the fourth one, they were just tired. They were and just so tired. Just and let it go. Right. Yeah. More attention towards another member of the family can cause this emotion, or the emotion can be seen through comparison to another member in the family. This type of jealousy is once again in result of losing some sort of attention that someone once had or that they believe they had. And so like when another child comes along, especially a young one that can do no wrong, right. then it could cause jealousy, sibling rivalry jealousy. Right. What's number two? Number two is workplace jealousy. Jealousy in the workplace is not uncommon. People can experience jealousy of one another in practically any setting that one person feels like they are losing services from something or someone else. This type of jealousy is often seen uh, between colleagues in similar job positions, usually. If one worker receives positive feedback from the boss while the other employee feels like they deserved it, uh, the positive feedback jealousy can arise. Mm. Jealousy between colleagues can also arise if the employees are working for a raise or trying to outdo each other, you know, a kind of competition type jealousy, uh, and they're trying to outdo each other for similar job positions. Once again, attention received towards one employee and not the other may cause intense emotions of jealousy to develop. What's the third one? Platonic jealousy. Platonic jealousy is a form of jealousy that is seen in friendships. Platonic jealousy is similar to romantic jealousy in the way that this type of relationship can lead to jealousy and result of fear of being replaced, having competition, or being compared to a third party. For example, the intense emotion of jealousy can rise if two friends that are females decide they like the same man and they both possibly want to start a romantic relationship with him. Comparison and competition will more often than not lead to the two girls experiencing the emotion of jealousy. And I, what what are you giggling yeah, about? Yeah, I guess so. <laughs> and I guess that would work with two guys going after the same girl too. Absolutely. Yeah. But uh, what's the, and then of course we're going to lead, this leads into the last one, number four, and that is what? Romantic jealousy. Romantic jealousy can be experienced in long-term or short-term relationships. One partner can feel the emotion of jealousy arise if the other partner is paying more attention or time with someone else. To lose attention from one partner and have it directed towards someone else doesn't have to be in a romantic way. And that's the interesting thing about romantic jealousy. It's all in the mind of the person that's jealous. One partner could be spending more time with a friend where there's no romantic feelings could ever develop. Well, and I think there's there's other places, and I, I saw this exhibited between my mom and my dad, that my mom was really jealous over my dad's work. And it was because many times his work, um, you know, came first because he was a, a he worked for the city and was in charge of, of, of a lot of stuff. And so um, many times if, if it was time to go someplace or go do something and something arose at the city, he always placed that above, you know, my, my at least that's the way my mom So you're felt. trying to tell me that I am jealous of your iPhone. No. No? You were of my Blackberry. <laughs> Drives me up the wall when I take her on a date, and then she's she's staring at that thing all, the whole way there. Um, anyway, that's that's something I've got to work through. Can jealousy become an addiction? Yes, it can. <laughs> <laughs> uh, yeah, it can become somewhat of an addiction. The victim feels the constant need uh, if the person is uh, imagining infidelity. Yes. 
the, then the person, uh, the victim feels the constant need to mention infidelity to friends and therapists, uh, you know, kind of with a goal that uh, confirming their irrational reactions are justified because they only want to justify that the something is going on, and so they're constantly mentioning it. These actions are often illogical and can range from constantly thinking about and imagining romantic acts to making threats or aggressive attacks at the two other people involved. Like an addict speaking of their drug, the jealous person talks about his or her partner affectionately as something he cannot do without. Also, like most severe addictions, they can lead into something really, really bad, like even murder or suicide uh, in, in extreme cases of overwhelming jealousy. Now, what about unfaithfulness? Well, some men and women who are on the brunt end of unfaithfulness may handle the situation a bit differently. In some cases, the victim will forgive the cheater in words, but refuse intimate moments with the unfaithful person, while others will continue to live with the person, but on a probationary period. So kind of a quote-unquote forgive, but not a real forgive, Mm. or put somebody on probation. I've been on probation before, but not for... (laughs) But not for, yeah, but not for infidelity, for just doing something stupid. Yes. Yes, I've been on probation. Yes. It doesn't last long, or sometimes it does. Sometimes I don't know I'm on probation. Sometimes. That's because you're a man. (laughs) (laughs) I'll be on probation for about a day and then finally find out that night that I've been on probation all day for something I didn't know I did. But then once she explains to me that I did it, then I realize I did it. And then probation's off and everything's fine. Okay, anyway, our sinful nature, it's, it's the way it is. is you know, one bad deed makes the next one easier. And when the wrong path is initiated with jealousy and selfish ambition, the result seems to be uh, just a downward spiral of sin. Uh, James describes it as disorder and every evil practice. But the good news is that there's room for another option. One that's pure, peace-loving, considerate, submissive, full of mercy and good fruit, impartial and sincere. And, of course, this option is love. A classic case of how jealousy works can be seen in the story of Saul and David. Saul was king, the ruler over the nation. And the interesting thing was, and I think that maybe this story is in the Bible because Well, we know it's in there for many reasons, but one of the reasons is is that Saul was king. He had everything, and yet jealousy entered, and it seemed to change everything about him, and it just basically destroyed his reign. Right. What was Saul's initial attitude towards David? Because we find in in Samuel 18.1 that he actually took him in like a son. Remember uh, Jonathan and David, they, they were just so close. Let, uh, would you read that for us? Yes, First Samuel 18, verse 1. After David had finished talking with Saul, Jonathan came, one in spirit, with David, and he loved him as himself. From that day, Saul kept David with him and did not let him return to his father's house. And Jonathan made a covenant with David because he loved him as himself. Jonathan took off the robe he was wearing and gave it to David along with his tunic and even his sword, his bow and his belt. Whatever Saul sent him to do, David did it so successfully that Saul gave him a high rank in the army. This pleased all the people and Saul's officers as well. So so what was it that changed 
So because here he's taking him in, he's like a son. He becomes part of the family. Part of the family. He moves him up in rank. Everything he sent him to do, he did it wonderfully. He made Saul look good. He respected Saul. And what happened? What changed Saul's attitude? Well, we keep reading in First Samuel 18 and verse 6, it says, When the men were returning home after David had killed the Philistine, the women came out from, from all the towns of Israel to meet King Saul with singing and dancing with joyful songs and tambourines and lutes. And they danced, as they danced, they sang, Saul has slain his thousands and David his tens of thousands. Saul was very angry. This refrain galled him. They have credited David with tens of thousands, he thought, but me with only thousands. What more can he get but the kingdom? And from that time on, Saul kept a jealous eye on David. You know, and you notice it says that Saul was very angry, and what spurned that anger was the jealousy. Mm -hmm. Remember we read in Proverbs, this is anger is bad, but jealousy is worse. And, uh, I don't know that we realize the the, uh, the tentacles that go out when we're jealous. It generates a series of negative emotions, hatred, suspicion, fear, guilt, anger. Saul was afraid of David. As mentioned several times in the chapter, he might have been afraid of losing his kingly position or afraid of David becoming the absolute hero of Israel. But as his hatred of David increased, he became more and more watchful to find an opportunity to take David's life. But none of his plans against the anointed of the Lord were successful. You know, Saul had given himself up to the control of the wicked spirit that ruled over him. And we find this in the Bible over and over, the terminology that one has given themselves up or given themselves over. In Jude, we find that those in Sodom and Gomorrah had given themselves up to sensual pleasures. We find it in Ephesians also that they had given themselves over. And I think we don't realize that when we practice evil or harbor evil thoughts or jealous thoughts or angry angry thoughts, that's what we become. We give Mm -hmm. ourselves over to that type of behavior where it becomes us. And then we don't know any other way to act. And it's hard to break out of that. And Saul had turned into such an angry, jealous person that he was... uh, he wasn't the same person. Well, and you know, I think that, that we've talked before, and and the fact is, is that you're going to give yourself over to something. Yes. So if you're not giving yourself over to Christ and to his, to have his mind and to have the fruits of the Spirit, which are love, joy, peace, patience, all those kindness, all those things, then you're giving yourself over to the other side. There's no in-between. There's no middle ground. We may think there's an in-between, but there isn't. And that, like you said, as we continue to walk down that path, it gets darker and darker. You know, and I kind of wonder, to, what would be more repulsive to God? It, uh, what about a middle-of-the-road Christian who's sitting on the fence, he's got feet dangling on both sides, and he's enjoying, enjoying the view from both sides? Well, I don't think that we need to, to wonder. We can look at Revelation 3, and it says... That's you're, lukewarm. You're lukewarm. Yeah, you're, you're trying to enjoy the view from both sides. I want you to be hot for me. I want your heart, your whole heart. I want you to surrender to me and be faithful to and me. And if you're cold, then there's still an opportunity there's, for me to come to you and to reach you. But if you think you're fine and you're right in the middle, then... Yeah, sitting on the fence, enjoying that view on both sides is something that I, I can imagine how frustrating that can be to God because... because you know, when he when Jesus came the first time, that was the heart he couldn't reach was those religious people 
that that their minds had been set in another way and he couldn't reach them. And so I think a lot of times we can be sitting in a, in a church pew and and not be, you know, not be womanizing, not be out on the street and not have all these issues that are outwardly manifested, but to have a mind that's jealous mm-hmm. or angry or angry and and not have it no physical manifestation, but inside it's rotting us from the inside Churning out. Churning us, yes. See, sin's bad enough when it hurts us as individuals, see, like that. But rarely is the damage and the pain localized. Correct. In most cases, our wrong deeds impact others negatively as well. And it has far-reaching consequences, most likely not anticipated by the one who first harbors the emotion. How crucial, then, that we, by God's grace, seek to die to self the moment this ugly emotion or any other ugly emotion arises in our hearts. And this asks, we ask the question, whose character does this emotion represent? Do you remember the book of Job? I do. Do you, you know, if you break this down and you look at the, at the emotions there, something is revealed. Would you read uh, Job chapter 1 verse 6? When the day came for the heavenly beings to appear before the Lord, Satan was there among them. The Lord asked him, What have you been doing? And Satan answered, I have been walking here and there, roaming around the earth. And God, and the Lord said, Did you notice my servant Job? There is no one on earth as faithful and good as he is. He worships me, and he is careful not to do anything evil. And Satan replied, Would Job worship you if he got nothing out of it? You have always protected him and his family and everything he owns. You bless everything he does, and you have given him enough cattle to fill the whole country. But now suppose that you take away everything he has, and he will curse you to your face. All right, the Lord said to Satan, everything he has is in your power, but you must not hurt Job himself. So Satan left. So Satan left. So what do we see here? We see a meeting, right? Mm -hmm. And we see Satan come. And God has asked Satan, he says, where did you come from? And he says, I come from the earth. I roam there. That planet is mine. And God says, well, wait a minute. They don't all listen to you down there. Have you considered my servant Job? He doesn't like your ways. In fact, he hates evil. And what does the devil do? He accuses God of playing favorites, doesn't he? Correct. He accuses God of playing favorites, and 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 he has a jealous eye on Job. And he says, you give him everything. That's why he serves you. And so what does God say? God says, okay, I guarantee you, Job, if you take away everything he has, he will still serve me. Right. And and the devil cannot stand that. So what happens? The devil goes, takes away everything Job has, and Job does not curse God. Right. Job stays faithful. He stays Sta- faithful. Job, Job stays in a trusting relationship of God with God, even though he doesn't understand why everything is gone. Right. His and this- family, his possessions, everything is gone. But he's not willing to break that faith with God. And see, Job, and the devil, right there, that what he was doing was basically calling God a liar. Mm-hmm. God says, Job serves me. Job hates evil. And the devil says, no, God, you're a liar. The only reason he serves you is because you give him goodies. Right. The only reason he serves you is because you're good to him. And the devil cannot understand someone serving God not for the goodies. Right. And we see Jesus, 
served God not for the goodies. He went to the cross. There was no goodies in the cross, right? right? The mm-hmm. devil can't understand that. So as we go on in Job um, 2, verse 1, it says, When the day came for the heavenly beings to appear before the Lord again, Satan was there among them. And the Lord asked him, Where have you been? And Satan answered, I have been walking here and there, roaming around the earth. Did you notice my servant Job, the Lord asked. There is no one on earth as faithful and good as he is. He worships me, and he is careful not to do anything evil. You persuaded me to let you attack him for no reason at all, but Job is still as faithful as ever. Satan replied, A person will give up everything in order to stay alive, but now suppose you hurt his body, he will curse you to your face. So the Lord said to Satan, All right, he is in your power, but you are not to kill him. Then Satan left the Lord's presence and made sores break out all over Job's body. Job went and sat by the garbage dump and took out a piece of broken pottery to scrape his sores. His wife said to him, you are still as faithful as ever, aren't you? Why don't you just curse God and die? Do you find that interesting that that Job's wife is egging Job on to the exact same phrase that the devil told God he was going to do. Well, we know that that um that as he, it's not we don't wrestle against human agencies. It's, right. You know, we take on I guess the personalities of the spirits. Well, there's a, there's a, a there's a battle going on behind the scenes that we don't see and we know that God will not allow anything to come our way that we can't handle. And he allowed that to come Job's way because he knew Job could handle it. It's not that he wanted that to happen to Job. Right. But he knew that 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 would happen. That he would keep that faith and that trust relationship with God. That's right. See, jealous people have feelings of inferiority, the need to be noticed, or like especially in the devil's case here, a dire desire for control or power and other insecurities. These people need to they need help to abandon the hurtful way of dealing with their inner conflicts. We need to to um, we need to help people. Uh, you, you know, as long I mean. We like to point out people's problems, mm-hmm. and we like to talk about those people's problems. Right. But we don't really like to help people with their problems, right. and I think that's part, that's of, part the of the deal. Problem. That's Absolutely. part of the deal. So, can jealousy ever be good? Ever be a motive for improving oneself? I don't think so. I, I think I, I I don't think that that's because if envious feelings dwell in the heart, they'll be manifested in words and acts. You can't hold it back. See, those who measure themselves by by others do as others do, and they fail to grow. Excusing themselves because of the faults and the wrongs of the other, they remain spiritual dwarfs. So jealousy and those bad emotions can't be what drives you. Right. I mean, you might end up getting short-term gain out of that. Uh, maybe if envy and jealousy is driving you in your in your workplace and you're trying to move up the food chain or something, you might get short-term gain, but it's going to destroy your brain in the process. Right. Right. You know, Uh, feelings about oneself help, good feelings about oneself help to prevent uh, being involved in in jealousy. Uh, Members of the body of Christ need to consider themselves privileged for having received the gift of salvation. And if we're constantly um, aware of that, that we're privileged people, that we can hold our heads high then that puts a posture to help other people That's instead right. of criticize other because people. Because the emphasis becomes one of building others up and working towards mutual edification. Exactly. Words of encouragement and approval, emphasis on the positive side of things, humility, and a joyful attitude are ways that we support one another. 
That's... And, and another way to help is to serve as as mediators. You know, Jesus calls us to be peacemakers. Peace, peacemakers, right. That's what the body of Christ is for. Because we can point out these bad character traits and emotions in people all day long. But unless we're willing or or but unless we're willing to help them overcome through Christ, then what good is the body of Christ? You know what I mean? That's right. We don't want to we don't want to we always want to try to be a part of the solution, not become a part of the problem. Right. It's you know what when Jesus came and lived on this earth as a human being, he showed us how to live in harmony with God. It's that life of Jesus and his teachings that we are to embrace. And by embracing that life and those teachings, we're telling God that we want to live another way, the right way, his way. By making this choice and walking in the path that he set before us, God will continue to forgive us, and he will never hold our past against against us. And that, my friends, is good news. That's very good that's news. That's very good news. You know, um, that's wiped clean, our right. past. So as we close today, folks, we'd like you to keep in mind that there's a difference between having emotions and your emotions having you. And you have the freedom to choose. Thank you for listening to Freedom to Choose. There truly is hope for anyone whose life is in captivity, overrun with the devastation of addiction and unmanaged emotions. Rich and Susan are living testimonials, and they've created this seven-step biblically-based handbook and a recovery workbook to move those you love toward freedom. If you'd like to order the Addiction Recovery Workbook for someone you know, or if you're a member of a church and you'd like to create a ministry in the area of addiction and unmanaged emotions, Rich and Susan can help you get started. Please call Rich and Susan at 916-645-1297 or go to www.justasiamministries.com. As a nonprofit, they're supported by people like you. Thank you for listening. And remember, you can do all things through Christ who strengthens you.